Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network, your Nashville Predators podcast of record. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan at Adam Vingan on the Twits. And make sure people pay for good journalism where? Theathletic.com. That's it. That's all you need to know. You don't need to pay for anything else. <laughs> it's only a couple bucks. You, it's not going to cover like your phone bill, your cell phone bill, your internet you bill. You don't need a mortgage. <laughs> you don't need to eat or drink. Kids coming out of college these days aren't getting mortgages, Adam. What are you talking about? Yeah, what's home ownership like? <laughs> well, I actually own a home, so yeah, I, was, I know what it's like. I was going to say. Um, all right. Today on the show, we have one primary topic. We will address the Stanley Cup final. We are recording this on Tuesday following Game 4. We are assuming, and we'll talk today about the Stanley Cup final, under the assumption that the Tampa Bay Lightning will destroy Montreal (laughs) at home in Game 5 on Wednesday evening. So depending on when you're hearing this, um, we may be wrong. But we're just going to assume that that's going to happen. We will get into the format now that we've seen it play out. We really liked it at one point. Do we still love the playoff playoff format, and do we want the NHL to make some changes? So we'll get to that. But mostly today, of course, Adam, we will focus on Victor Arvidsson, what he has meant to this team, his legacy. Was it the right move to trade him away to the Los Angeles Kings? And what will David Poyle do next? So all of that, obviously, going to be the main focus of the show today. However, before we do that, the gold standard is brought to you by... Jaspers! Do you have a tagline like like we make Aaron Dugan do and she does all these really weird taglines? I think the my go-to is Jaspers, your body, your choice. <laughs> that's that's true. And of course, since it's super super hot outside, they are rolling out at Jaspers all different types of cold beverages that you can put inside of your body because it is in fact your, your choice. choice. Yeah, it's your your choice. So they got frozen drinks, of course, the cold fashion, the froze. Uh, they've got the Tennessee Mule. All that's really good. But guess what they're doing now? Uh, they are going to start selling the Frosé and the Cold Fashion in popsicle format. Ooh. Have you ever had an alcoholic beverage served to you in like a solid form? Yes, I have. I'm not talking about like a slushy. No, I've had alcoholic popsicles before. Really? Yeah. So that's not like that's like a not a new th- I thought that was like a unbelievable idea, Jasper. It is an unbelievable Good idea job. because they're delicious, but I have had them before, but they probably were not as well crafted. Uh-huh. As they will be at Jasper's. So a craft popsicle. Yes. That's <laughs> a fantastic idea. They, they This is what makes Jasper's the next evolution of the it's sports It's different bar. than when I just pour alcohol into a popsicle mold, <laughs> throw in the freezer. put a stick in it, and put it in the freezer. It's do, a little bit more refined than that. You do that regularly? No, but I've done it before in my life. I mean, I took jello shots in college, too. But jello shots are long, disgusting. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. So, I had one a couple of weeks ago. Oh, God. I didn't like it's it. It's way too old to be drinking jello shots. I was, at, I was at a let's block... Save this, let's save this for the real ad. <laughs> Hold on. I was at a block party in East Nashville, and it was a neighborhood party. And someone was walking around with Jello shots, and they just handed me one, and it was it was rum and coke oh, was the one I got. Oh God! I don't like rum Je- and coke tastes bad when it's just a rum and coke. I don't like Jello to begin with. Oh, gross! I I thought you were mature. I thought you were an adult. You're about to be a father. Adam. I'm an adult. <laughs> Go to Jasper's. Welcome to the real world, jackass. <laughs> This is why Jasper's is the next evolution of the sports bar. That they they are constantly, constantly reevaluating their menu and making it better for you. So go to Jasper's. All right. 
So David Poyle has traded Victor Arvidsson to the Los Angeles Kings for a second round draft pick coming up this month and a third round draft pick next year in the 2022 draft. Um, Victor Arvidsson had $4.25 million per year left on his contract. I did not actually, how many years he got left? Three. Three more years on his contract. That's what I thought. Um, that's why I keep you here. You're just the, the in the moment fact checker for me. And I, I am a little surprised, Adam, before we get into all the minutia of the move and what he meant to this organization and, and to the fans and especially the kids of this, of, of, of Nashville Predators hockey. I'm surprised that people were surprised because obviously David Poyle listens to the gold standard podcast because you and I have been out for how many weeks now? A month almost since they've been eliminated saying one of the first moves that they have to make is to trade Victor Arvidsson for a couple of different reasons. Shake up the core, create some cap space, and oh, by the way, he's one of the only tradable assets that you've got that can actually give you something in return. Were, were you surprised that people were surprised? I guess. I, I didn't see as much surprise as you did, I suppose. I think most of the surprise maybe was less about the fact that they traded Victor Arvidsson specifically and more about the fact that a core member of the team was traded at all because we've gone through this now for a couple of summers where we've talked about changes that need to be made and the core has survived said changes for the most part. Um, so the fact that Arvidsson was traded, I think the shock, if there was any, was that it finally happened versus it just being Victor Arvidsson, maybe. Okay, I, I think I think people viewed shaking up the core, and maybe this is where I picked up on the surprise of it, the, the, the sort of the thought process that was delivered to me from a number of people that I know both inside and outside of the media was... I was a little surprised it was Arvidsson because, you know, like the, the guy scores goals. He's not a big name in the core. He's beloved by the fans. And I, and I think while all of that is true, there, there's there's a whole other side to this that we'll discuss again, which is number one, he is a cheap, valuable asset to, that gives you a nice return. But also he's a diminishing asset in, in our minds. And I think, again, we'll get a little more detailed about that. But it just it just clear. It just wasn't a surprise to me at all. Um, and again, I think you and this show have been ahead of the curve on that, that, that part of the off season process for the better part of three weeks now. Well, it's my job to be ahead of the curve. <laughs> Otherwise I wouldn't be doing my job very well, but we went over this last month, early in early June, I wrote a story, you know, what the ideal predators off season would look like. And one of my suggestions was trading Victor Robertson for future assets, which is what happened. Um, I think uh, so. David Poyle listens to this podcast and reads The Athletic. Is what it sounds like. Maybe he doesn't have anything else better going on, right? He has no other things to tend to than <laughs> other than to read and, and listen. Um, of course, I kid. But you know, the the return was about what I expected it, in terms of future assets. I, I think getting a second round pick this season. Um, was a good piece of business. It's going to be in the upper portion of the second round. I don't think the second round um, order has been established, um, but it will be near the top of the round because the Kings were a lottery team this year. Um, so I that gives the Predators um, three picks, I believe, in the top 50. That's what yep. their press release said. 
um, on top of their own second round pick and their first round pick, which is number 18. Um, and if for a team that appears to be leaning into uh, a reset, a soft reset, as I like to call it, um, acquiring draft picks is a good way to go about that. Um, it also simplifies their approach to the upcoming Seattle expansion draft. Um, it, it sounds like the Predators were considering leaving Arvidsson unprotected. Um, and that would be a terrible move then in theory, if you could get a second and third round draft pick, right? Right. And I think that's why the Predators were smart to move him. Um, the expansion did play a significant factor in the trade. David Poyle admitted as much in the loan interview he did following the trade with the ESPN one Oh two five, the game, um, Perhaps there would have been less urgency to move Arvidsson had it not been a year with an expansion draft, but I still think it would have been done at some point. Um, Ultimately, when you think of Arvidsson's trajectory since scoring a franchise record 34 goals in the 2018-19 season, he has scored 25 goals over the past two seasons, 25 goals in 107 games after scoring 34 goals in 58 games. Um, to those of us who watch Victor Arvidsson regularly, who watched him when he debuted in the NHL, yeah. who watched him at the at the height of his, uh, of his powers, so to speak, uh, he was not that player anymore. Um, and I think there was uncertainty within the organization about whether Arvidsson would ever reach those heights again. Um, Oftentimes, when a player gets traded, you'll often see them get off to a great start. They're re-energized. Perhaps they want to, to stick it to their team, that their, their ex-team that traded them. Um, but so, it, so if Victor Arvidsson starts next season on a on a roll with the Kings, I would not be surprised. But the Predators believed that he's he, twenty. He's twenty eight years old, right? Yeah, the Predators <laughs> believed he would not bounce back with them. He is 28 years old and has a significant injury history, especially recently. So all things considered, I think the Predators did the right thing. I I have a hard time coming up with any criticisms of this particular move. Yeah, I don't have any criticisms either. I think what it is is sort of you have to create explanations for people, and I think you just laid most of them out. Uh, Expansion draft considerations, well, now you have one less player you need to worry about. You've acquired future assets that you can now either use to build in the middle of your youth movement and or use to to, to pass along to Seattle to maybe take a player off your hands, perhaps. Um, you've created some salary cap space because you have to rework deals with Philip Forsberg, Matthias Ekholm, and or possibly Mikhail Granlin, not to mention all of your restricted free agents that you've got to sign. He is a diminishing asset. I'm sorry. Like I just that it doesn't mean that he's not going to bounce back and have three or four good seasons. But I think the days of, you know, that season you're talking about when he broke the single season record, and we'll get to what he means sort of historically to this franchise in a second, but he was averaging 0.6 goals per game that year. Like, that's an incredible pace. He averaged 0.2 last year in basically the same amount of games. That's a third of the production. <laughs> like, he's just, and, and I know everyone points to the, the, the Bertuzzo hit where he gets like sort of cross-checked into the goal and then like, Obviously, you know, pretty dirty hit and the another cross check to sort of like bend him down when he's already down on the ground. Do you do you do you paint it all the way back to that? 
Like our fans making, I think fans are making too much of that one particular hit. I know that he's been a quote unquote different player since that period of time, but I attribute it more to the overall deterioration and diminishment of of his body than I do just one particular hit, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I don't think it was that one play that led to his demise, but it was the most obvious and perhaps most significant uh, hit that he took um, among many uh, that led to as uh, the, the deterioration, excuse me, uh, of his of his production. Um you know, you could probably go back and look at his production pre and post Bortuzzo hit, and and see a pretty uh, noticeable difference yeah. um, before and after. Um, but you know, he 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 was not really the same player after that. Um, I remember him saying before the team entered the Edmonton bubble that you know he suffered a knee injury on that particular play, and, and that when he came back, he wasn't himself. You know, he had four and a half months to to recuperate. He looked pretty good in that uh, in that series against Arizona um, in the in the qualifying round. But also keep in mind that Arizona, not a heavy team, right? Not a team that was pounding Victor Arvidsson like other teams the Predators are used to playing, like the Dallas Stars or the Winnipeg Jets or the St. Louis Blues. Um, so. You know, like to to a lot of fans, that hit was the beginning of the end. Yeah. Um, I would agree that it wasn't the end all be all. Um, it was an accumulation uh, of hits and injuries. But to 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 most fans, that was the point where Victor Arvidsson was no longer Victor Arvidsson. I tend to agree with that, and I think what you can do as a fan pretty easily is say, well, that that hit was dirty, it was cheap, it was illegal in theory, and that cost us Victor Arvidsson. I think that's sort of like, I think that's too, that's too too much of taking the easy way out to some degree. I, I think the the more the the more realistic is that this is a five foot eight, five foot nine, one hundred and seventy five, hundred eighty pound player who plays as hard as humanly possible, and that those two things cannot exist in a professional physical sport <laughs> like you just can't be that size and play that hard and have it last forever um i just don't i don't think you can and i think this is where there's a silver lining through all of this and this is kind of going to transition us to sort of who victor arvidsson was for the nashville predators and what he meant to the organization he was a fourth round pick he was the 112th overall pick uh of course back in the 2014 nhl entry draft he made it to the league Basically that year, uh, later that season, he played six games um, as a 21-year-old. He scored. He played in 385 games. He scored 127 goals, 112 assists, 239 points. And I, I think what's what's interesting, of course, is the comparison to the playoff pace, right? Like I think everybody talks about that as well when you look at his playoff pace. Um, his average, if you know, I think the guy scored what 12 goals in 61 playoff games. Um, he scored three times the year they went to the cup. He scored five times in that series, the double series where they played Colorado for seven and Winnipeg for seven. So that was actually his best performance, but you know, his pace was his 82 game pace was 16 goals in the postseason, which is nothing compared to what his pace in the regular season was. No. And when Victor Arvidsson signed his seven year contract in the summer of 2017, you know, I think a lot of people looked at that contract as a win for both sides. It was a reasonable cap hit 
for a, a young player who, you know, proved himself that that season, that uh, Stanley Cup final season, um, you know, um, over the length of the contract, he led the Predators in goals over the first four years of the contract, despite, you know, the issues that he dealt with injury wise and, and inconsistency wise. Um, so was the, was the contract a bad one? No, I, I don't think it was. I mean, how often do players sign long-term deals and spend those entire, the entire duration of those deals with the team right. that signed them? Um, you know, I think the Kings are at a point in their franchise. They have been, you know, since winning two Stanley cups in 2012 and 2014, they've been in the process of rebuilding and I think they're almost out of it. They're still they're still going through it, but they're almost out of it. And I think the Kings are the the kind of team that could take a risk on Victor Arvidsson. Um, they, they're they're a younger team. Um, they, they do have some veterans that have won Stanley Cups, of course, namely Andre Kopitar and Drew Doughty yep. and Jonathan Quick. Um, they you know Arvidsson can play in their top six, and that's another thing you have to take into consideration. You know, the Kings are going to put Arvidsson in a position to bounce back. He's probably going to play in their top six. He's probably going to play on their top power. Oh, you're going to have to watch Victor Arvidsson score goals for the Kings, right? You, <laughs> you know, you better be ready for that. Victor Arvidsson's status as a go-to guy on the Predators had diminished, um, and and some of that is is on him. When he was healthy, he was not producing or healthy enough to play. He was not producing at the same rate. He wasn't on the top power play anymore. And if you look at the Predators' depth chart for next season, you know where was he going to play? I mean, you're going to lose a player in the expansion draft. So let's just say if that player were Callie Yarncroak. You no, know, our, let's I, say it's Matt Duchesne. I know, but we're talking. And they re-signed Mikhail Granlin, who plays center on the second line with Luke Cunningham and Philip Tomasino. What I was saying was <laughs> that when you look at the Predators' depth chart, it seemed unlikely that Victor Arvidsson was going to be a top six player on this team next year. He seemed like he was going to be a third line player and a second power. It's hard play to even hear that. And, sentence. A, and, a, and a second power play guy. It just, it just, he, the, you know, the one thing that John Hines has established in his time in Nashville is that a player's salary does not grant him immunity. We've, we've seen it with Ryan Johansson. We've seen it with Matthew Shane. God bless him for it. We've ta- Yes. I mean, that was an that was another interesting thing that happened in reaction to the trade. Not so much the whether or not it was a surprise, but we saw Philip Forsberg's reaction just posting a big thumbs oh, down did, on yeah. his Instagram story. Did not, did not like we it. saw Ryan Johansson and Matthew Shane wish Arvidsson well in Instagram posts, and there seemed to be talk about whether John Hines was alienating his top players. You know. At the end of the day, he's alienating Seattle Kraken's top. Player. Huh. At the end of, the, you're not going to let that one go. I'm not. Letting I'm waiting. I'm very. I'm very much looking forward to the end of the expansion draft. At the end. <laughs> Amen. At the end of the day, you know those players, the whole team. Really, also, wait a second. John Hines doesn't make these decisions. I know, but what I'm saying <laughs> is that those players, Forsberg, Johansson, Duchesne, but also the entire team, bear some responsibility in this trade because how many times did they expect to be able to come back? And, and not win a championship before they were broken up. Well, and, and let's be honest, of all the guys that John Hines would bench due to effort, 
Victor Arvidsson is not one of them. No, <laughs> Victor, he's not. Victor Arvidsson, and this is this will, this gives us a good transition into sort of what he has meant to this organization, to the city, to the community. Uh, he finished. He is sixth right now, all time in Predators history in goals, as, as I mentioned, with one twenty-seven. Uh, he's not a top ten points guy. Uh, number eight in goals created. Number eight in plus minus at plus forty-five during his career. Number five with even strength goals. How about this? Tied for second in shorthanded goals all time in franchise history with 10, one behind Greg Johnson. Fourth all time in franchise history in game winning goals. So, like, again, we're not talking. He's a single season scoring leader with 34 goals two couple of seasons ago. Like, again, eighth in shots. This is a, for, for a guy who, again, third all time in hat tricks with three. For a player who doesn't feel like he played a ton of games, uh, you know, again, he played, you know, 385 games, seven seasons. It was a nice career. I, I think he means more to this team. Like, I, I think there's a lot more there there. Number one, I think kids fell in love with him. I think the way he played the game embodies why we all play sports when we're five years old. Like, that, that like he just embodies the, the sort of will and the the effort and the attitude and the demeanor that like the whole point, any of us get into playing sports who love sports is, is to be like Victor Arvidsson. So I think a whole generation of kids and young people fell in love with, with RV and RV hustle became a thing. And I, I, you know, to be on the Stanley cup final team, to be on the president's trophy team, the two division championship teams to lead this single season, to have the records that he's got. I just think he means a lot more than sort of like, I don't know. I guess the the trade felt, if that makes sense. Even though I'm with you, I think it's completely the right move. I think there it, it is worth us taking a minute to acknowledge what he has meant to this franchise, for sure. And think about just the story of Victor Arvidsson passed over in the draft a couple of times, drafted by the Predators in, in 2014, goes to Milwaukee. I remember one of the first games I covered on this beat was Victor Arvidsson's NHL debut, which occurred late in the 2014-15 season, um, becoming you know, such a, a key member of this team in the 16-17, 17-18, and 18-19 seasons, you know, scoring the 34 goals, the single-season franchise record, um, big plays he made in, in the Stanley Cup final, um, there's a lot. There's a lot to like about Victor Arvidsson. You know, there's not a lot not to like. Yeah, there's. You know, you <laughs> I mean, think of. You know, it's. You know, you you think about smaller players. I mean, the Predators have a few of those. You know, when Rocco Grimaldi came to Nashville, you know, we talked about that a lot. And Ryan and, Ellis and Ryan Ellis and you know, players like Victor Arvidsson, you know, are are inspiring to 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 fans and other hockey players who. You know, aren't blessed with with excellent genetics. Um, I mean, well, he's a professional hockey player, right, right, so he right. does have great genetics. Right, but, but six three two twenty yeah, is not. A little different you know, than, he's not yeah. Shea Weber out right, there. Right. You know, he's not Matthias Ekholm out there. Um, you know, he he made he, you know he made a name for himself uh, by doing all of the things that you know Predators fans especially uh, have come to love. You know, he works he worked his ass off. You know, he, he was willing to take a beating to yeah. make a play. Um, you know, he scored breakaway, exciting breakaway goals. You know, like there was, a, like I said, there was a lot to like about Victor Arvidsson. So, yeah, the Predators will miss him. Um, in the long run, however, as we already discussed, 
I have a hard time finding any negatives in this trade other than, you know, you're losing a, a player that has meant a lot to your organization. Um, you know, a, a homegrown player, especially, um, but you know, you hope that someone like Ellie Tolvanen or Philip Tomasino or Rem Pitlick or Tanner Janot or Yakov Trenin, you know, becomes the next Victor Arvidsson. Um, you know, so yep. like, yeah, I yep. think that I think the Kings were a good landing spot for him. I think he'll do well there. He'll have more of an opportunity. He'll be treated as a go-to guy again. Um, I think it works for both sides. And it will be very strange to watch him play in a Kings sweater. That is for sure. But he also gets to live in Manhattan Beach now, most likely. So, <laughs> you know, how much do, are you really sad for him? Well, um, well, making millions of dollars to play a sport, I'm not really ever sad for anybody. Um, so I'll, I'll, how about this? We'll take a quick break. When we come back, I want any anecdotes you've got from covering Victor Arvidsson. I've got one story about him interacting with a little girl um, that was just, I think, sort of paints – this really authentic and genuine picture of who Victor Arvidsson is when I had a chance to work around him. So any anecdotes when we come back, what will David Poyle do next now that he has moved Victor Arvidsson and begun the wheels churning on this Nashville Predators offseason? And we'll dive into the Stanley Cup as well. All that when we come back right here on the Gold Standard. The Gold Standard is brought to you by Jaspers. Give me a tagline. I need to come up with another one. Um, like the penalty kill unit for your Saturday nights. Yeah, they're supposed to be cringeworthy. Like that's what yeah. Aaron, that's what Aaron does. Yeah, I'll leave that to her. Aaron Dugan of the Fringe Element, by the way. I'll leave that to her. I'll leave the cringiness to her. <laughs> they are absolutely hilarious. So here's you've got a cocktail at, at at Jasper's, the Gold Standard, named after this podcast that you can go drink. Adam Vingan has claimed it as his own, and 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 loves to lord that over Aaron Dugan. Well, Aaron Dugan is uh, way funnier at coming up with taglines than you. That's so okay. She's got that. It's good to be quick-witted. <laughs> Does that we, count? We all have our pluses and minuses. She's quick-witted. I have a cocktail. Wow. There you go. Uh, speaking of cocktails, at Jasper's right now, because it is hot as freaking hell outside, not to mention all the great drink specials, four to six, uh, beers and all that good stuff. You know, they got craft beers, they've got local brews, they've got great cocktails, but they also have all these like frozen drinks they're doing. And now they have, as we mentioned in the show already, like popsicles, liquor, cocktail popsicles. So they have a cold fashion. It's made with Nelson's Greenbrier whiskey. Uh, how about that? Uh, they got the froze. Ladies love it. Your wife not allowed to have that yet. No, but Don't she play. does like froze when she can. She likes froze? Yes, she, she likes froze. Well, she likes rosé, so I would assume she likes froze. Well, you never know. Uh, the Tennessee Mule, of course, is made with uh, Heaven Hill and Old Smoky Whiskey, a little bit of lime, ginger beer. Everybody loves a Tennessee. If you like a Moscow Mule, right? Do you like that? I love it. I love the the Tennessee Mule, which is just take out the vodka and put in the whiskey and the bourbon. Um, but to make it frozen, even better. And then, of course, they're doing popsicles that are made of cocktails and liquor. The froze and the cold fashion will be served in ice pop format. It says right here in parentheses, Adam, think those ice pops like when you were a kid. Freeze pops? Yeah. I, I'm assuming, yeah, like the ones like with the, ones the, the, the push tube. up from the bottom. The ones, yeah. the ones that come in the plastic tube that you freeze. Yeah, like my kids have them that are like Pedialyte. <laughs> you're Ew. Gonna, you're going to learn. No, you have to learn this. You can't get a kid to, to hydrate using regular Pedialyte. You got to give them a popsicle form. Pedialyte is gross. No, it's not. It's good. It's just liquor. It's like Gatorade. It's just liquid with... No, it's not. Yeah, it's just liquid with like... Uh, 
all the electrolytes and stuff that they need to to re- rehydrate when they have. Dude, you you are so unprepared for fatherhood. What are you saying? <laughs> I'm very prepared. You're going to need to keep Pedialyte in multiple forms in your house. Probably a frozen form and probably a liquid form. This this is your mission should you choose to accept it. I do accept it. I just remember early in Bridget's pregnancy, she wasn't feeling well. So I went to get her Pedialyte because I heard that was good because she was having a hard time keeping things down. She took one step and she was like, absolutely not. Well, that uh, as someone who's never been pregnant, that's my my preface to all of this. It's almost impossible to under to, to guess what a woman's taste buds are going to be like while she's pregnant, especially first trimester. Like my wife couldn't, I, I no clue things that she loved normally hated them and vice versa. That's just normal. You know what though? Everything at Jasper's is something that she loves. And actually, your pregnant wife goes to Jasper's all the time. We do enjoy it. No frozen uh, liquor beverages for her. No frozen liquor beverages yet. But as soon as that baby comes out, <laughs> she's going on a bender. <laughs> Sometimes, maybe. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Again, unprepared for fatherhood. How about this one? The first time you're hungover with a new baby is the last time you'll be hungover with a new baby. I don't get hungover, really. I don't drink that much, so I'm not that concerned you're, you're about it. In, you're in good shape, but the first time it ever happens, you're like, nope, never doing that again. I think it was Thanksgiving for me. My young, My oldest daughter was like two months old, and my brother was in town, and my brother kept serving me, and we were at Thanksgiving dinner. And we were st- we stayed overnight at my parents' house, and then uh, the she starts crying at like two in the morning. I had gone to bed at like one, and I did not complain one time. And my wife just like laid in bed laughing because <laughs> she was like, "It's your turn, dude." <laughs> and I was like, well, "You know when you have that head- headache from drinking too much, and you're like, <sighs> yes," and you just have like both hands on your head. It's been a long. It's probably been since then the last time I had a, a hangover. But I'm telling you, the first time you get up to feed a a baby, a newborn with a hangover is the last time hmm. that it happens. Good to know. Yep. Go to Jasper's. <laughs> go to Jasper's. Go, go to Jasper's. Where you can get hung over with your baby. <laughs> See, you're great at taglines. You can do it. There you go. Go to Jasper's, everybody. All right. Do you have any good, Adam, any any good anecdotes? Do you want me to go first here? Do you have a good anecdote about covering Victor Arvidsson? You always have great stories from the from the beat about players that you cover because you, you get to see them in a way that many people do not. I, I've had some opportunity as well. Um, do you have any anything that stands out that sort of describes who Victor Arvidsson is as a person off the ice? Hmm. That's a good question. I can't think of anything specific off the top of my head. Just because, you know, I you know I, I really enjoyed covering Victor Arvidsson. You know, I basically you know I covered his entire NHL career. You know, it's it, so far. Yeah. Um. You know, and I, I you know I enjoyed our conversations. Always you know always thought you know very nice guy. You know, he was one of the we've talked about this on the podcast previously about like how relationships form between reporters and players. You know, he falls into the category of you know, pleasant guy to say hello to and to interview, but like we don't, we never really talked a whole lot about off the ice kind of stuff. He's a little, he's, he's kind of the opposite of his playing style. He's a bit reserved. He's he's a little bit more shy, and there's a language thing there too. But, yes, but he, I... <laughs> but he's a very, I mean, he's, he, I mean, very very nice guy, very nice guy, and of course a very popular player, 
and I know that you have a story to tell about your experience with Victor Arvidsson. So here's here. So I was doing a show um, with he and Kevin Fiala, and so there's I guess this this is actually two anecdotes in one. One of them's a positive one about Victor Arvidsson, and the other one's a not as positive one about Kevin Fiala. So I we we were doing a, a show a live live show so we've got a live audience and we're at, you know doing actual questions and live Q and A's and I think I think Hal Gill was the, the co-host with me at the time and during one of the commercial breaks there's no cameras there's nobody from promotions taking a photo of him there's nobody from the Preds you know shooting film of this this is just Victor Arvidsson and Victor Arvidsson is missing most of his top teeth on the on, on the on the front of his mouth. And a little girl is probably like six or seven years old is like waiting in line to take a picture with him. He kind of walks up and not, not even in line, just sort of walks up to say hello. Cause she wants to meet Victor Arvidsson. Right. And he says he does, she walks up and she looks up at him and she goes, first thing, not like nice to meet you, Victor. First thing out of her mouth, she goes, where are your teeth? <laughs> as kids, as sort of kids tend to do. And Victor Arvidsson does not miss a beat looks down at her because she had a couple of missing teeth too because she's right in that age where she's missing teeth and she he looks down and in like the most playful and kind possible way is just like well where are your teeth what happened to your teeth and like the whole conversation became about her and how she was losing teeth and immediately this hockey player was down on her level and it was just it was just one of those moments where you just kind of remember no one's watching he didn't do it for anybody else he did it just to connect with that little girl and I just remember thinking, you know what? Like, not everybody would do that. Get down and kind of joke around with a little kid and have fun with them. And and and, and it's and to your point, you don't see that kind of personality from Victor Arvidsson a lot in the locker room. So to see it sort of out in this other realm, I thought was really interesting. The other part of that 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 evening that was so memorable to me was one of the segments of the show. We have audience members ask questions of the of the players, and we ask. You know, how Gail and I have no problem talking. We can just blather on forever. And a lot of the players don't mind doing that. Kevin Fiala, not so much. And so, and so at one point, we ask Victor, somebody asks Victor Arvidsson a question. He gives a very thoughtful answer, not a long answer, but a thoughtful answer. The question, I go, All right, Kevin, you know, Kevin, what about you, man? Like, same kind of, I don't even remember what the question was. And he was like, Yeah. <laughs> he like gave like a one word answer. And Victor Arvidsson turns to me. You know how you try to hide from everybody that you're laughing? Yes. You know, like when you try to cover your face and you turn away and you're like, oh my God, what is that guy Victor Arvidsson turns to me and looks at me and starts laughing because Kevin Fiala gave a one-word answer on a live radio show to a fan question. And Victor, Ar even Victor Arvidsson was just like, he was like, I'm sorry, dude. I don't know what to do about Kevin Fiala. <laughs> it was just, it was one of those moments where I was just like, you know, you look at each other, you just kind of smile and you chuckle and you just try to move on to the next question and keep the show going because Kevin Fiala just brought it to a screeching halt. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that that's the problem with the with those player oh, shows. God. Sometimes you've got to you've got to make sure that you have at least if you're doing two players on the show, you have to have at least one guy who's a bit more yeah, loquacious. Yeah, yeah. You know, if it's you need Ryan Hartman, you need <laughs> it's like you need Ryan Johansson and Callie Yonkroke. Like you can't have like you can't have like two Callies. You can't have Ellie Tolvanen and Mikhail Granlund. Like I, that won't be a very chatty show. I had Ekholm and Forsberg, and at one point I just said talk talk Swedish to each other, <laughs> and they did. It was it was it was absolutely fun. But uh, yeah, no, it's it, it was I, all the interactions I've ever had with Victor Arvidsson are. I, I have I can't remember a negative interaction with him. I yeah, can't remember he's, anything he's ever said negatively. I just. I think the praise that this community and the fan base has for him is justified. Yeah, I so. think 
you know, he did work in the community, like pretty much every player on the team. He was yeah. involved in, he was involved with, I believe, the Nashville Humane Association. I think so. Did a lot of work um, with with finding uh, homes for dogs and shelters and, and all, well, I think all animals. I don't think just dogs. And as a dog person, as a dog lover, I have a soft spot for anyone who also loves dogs. Yeah. Um, so... Yes. I mean, like, I, I are wish... You, are I you wish... okay with guinea pigs? No. My wife hates guinea pigs. My wife loves animals, hates hates guinea pigs. I wish that I had, you know, a better, you know, behind-the-scenes anecdote involving Victor Arvidsson, but I, I can't really think of anything. All I can all I can say is that he was always, he, you know, we're talking to him about... We're, always, we're talking about him as if he's dead, because we're talking about him in the past tense. What's his legacy here? It's yeah, his time like he, here. His he career is, here is over. He is, he, in, my, in my experiencing work, my experience working, rather, with Victor Arvidsson, it was always pleasant, um, you know, willing to answer questions, easy yep. and difficult, um, you know, willing to crack a joke when, when, it, when called for, you know, f- teammates loved him, you know, yep. fans loved him, so... So what does David Poyle do with that cap space? Is this to go out and re-sign a potential unrestricted free agent? Is this to is this just general cap space? Is the next move the expansion draft? Do we expect anything to happen between now and the expansion draft? Um, what what is the trade of Victor Arvidsson, which sort of signals the beginning of the soft reset to your to use your words? What what, it, what are the next steps, or or is it just we're waiting until whatever? What is it, July seventeenth when they have to submit their list, and then a couple of days later they actually have the draft? Are we going to know something? Something else going to happen before then? I don't I don't anticipate anything happening before then. Um, I have been wrong before, but I, I do not anticipate anything happening before then. Um, Four point two five million dollars, as we talked about before, in cap space is not insignificant. Um, in a flat cap environment. Um, it's half of Forsberg's contract, potentially, looming? Maybe. I mean, basically... Two-thirds of Ekholm's contract, know, It could maybe? be UC Soros's contract. There you go. It could be part of... It could be Mikhail Granlund's contract or part of Mikhail Granlund's contract. I mean, the Predators, we went over this recently. The Predators have a lot of work to do in-house. A lot of players they need to re-sign that are already a part of the organization. Mikhail Granlund, potentially Eric Halla, though I, I, I doubt that happens. I'm not sure if there's room for Eric Halla, but, you know, something to consider. I, I, he brought some energy there he for did, a while. He did. Um, UC Soros needs a contract. Dante Fabro, Ellie Tolvanen, Tanner Janot, Matthew Olivier, uh, Jeremy I, I guess Davies. The question is: Is do you expect you don't expect any of that to happen before the expansion draft? Does it benefit David Poyle to have any of that stuff done, or at least have an idea of what it looks like before doing the expansion draft? Or does or does having the expansion part of it out of the way help David Poyle? Well, the, expan- with the math. The what expansion is- draft helps because you don't want to re-sign a player before the expansion draft because then he's eligible to be taken. So, for example, if if Mikhail Granlin were to come to like a handshake agreement with the Predators on a contract, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be formalized until after the expansion draft, so that he wouldn't be so until, taken. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. All right. So it makes so essentially the big the big move happened, and we are now waiting on the expansion draft to end mercifully. <laughs> yes. So I guess the question is those future assets in two in two episodes from now. Yes, we'll, we'll be, be able to talk about oh, a, an, a list, an expansion list. Instead of coming up with it on our own. Yeah, thank God. Um, so, it is, it, 
That's that's basically the next thing for Preds fans to circle then. I guess don't expect too many more big moves. We have been telling you about this potential trade for Victor Arvidsson in a while. Do you, If they were going to move somebody, Ryan Ellis, let's say, which you've long said they won't, they won't do. I've talked to more than a few fans that are okay with them trading Ryan Ellis, by the way. Total anecdotal fan poll of a couple random friends, <laughs> of, friends of mine that are very big hockey guys, though, mm-hmm. and that, that I trust sort of with their opinions. Um, again, not you know, just just is what it is. Um, would not be angry if they traded Ryan Ellis. Wouldn't it make more sense to make that move before the expansion draft in order to help clarify the list you would keep if you were going to do something like that? Well, sort if of, there's another big trade coming, like what, like if there was one surprise to the Arvidsson tra- the Arvidsson trade, it was that it was able to happen before the expansion draft because you have to consider you know the fact that Arvidsson has to be protect had to be protected. You know, I don't know what the Kings situation is, but clearly they feel like they have you know they had a, a place for Arvidsson to be protected. Otherwise, they wouldn't have traded for him. So, you know. When you look at someone like Ryan Ellis, you know, he has to be protected. You know, how many teams, you know, have are, are willing to trade for Ryan Ellis and leave somebody else unprotected? I, I think Ryan Ellis sol- is, solves a lot of those problems by being Ryan Ellis. You know, like when you like if you want to upgrade a defenseman, who, who I don't know if it matters if your fifth or sixth forward is unprotected. You know what I mean? Like. You sort of yes, you have to factor that in. But if you're acquiring a guy who was what two years ago the number one basically wins above replacement defenseman yes. in the NHL, like I think you sort of have to just look at it as we're going to acquire a brand new stud defenseman that we're going to have for the next five years. I you know I, I don't know I just that that's the only thing I can think of what else could happen be, between now and the expansion draft, and it's, it seems like we're all just in wait and see mode for that stupid expansion draft. Yes, I, I like I, I've maintained I just have a hard time seeing that trade happening. Um, yep. You know, I think we were all confident in, in saying that Victor Arvidsson would be traded or should be traded. You know, I don't I don't have that same feeling about Ryan yeah. Ellis. That makes sense. Uh, all right, you want, real quickly, uh, I think the NHL got a break when Tampa Bay lost in overtime to I, – Anderson is quickly becoming one of my favorite players to watch, by the way, for Montreal. The Predators could use a player like he him. He is I, – like, I love the attitude, man. I love the way he plays. He scored the game-winning goal in Game 4, like, from his ass. He did. Um, just, he created the chance and went back just, for the rebound. Like, he's a bigger version of Victor Hurwitz, <laughs> which is what the Preds need, kind of, um, which is ironic considering our last 30 minutes of conversation. Um, but anyway, I think – with the building in Canada, and I don't know what the capacity number actually is, but it's not full capacity. They said it. They've claimed it's thirty five hundred. Yeah, no chance. Unless <laughs> unless the upper bowl is completely. You have empty, to also factor in the metric system and the conversion and all that stuff. <laughs> do, do you? Um, I I just think it's unfortunate. I understand why the rules are in place and why different countries have different status. You know, I get all of that. I'm not. None of us are epidemiologists, and we're not lawyers, so none of us are frankly qualified to answer that question as to why the rule is or is not in place, or should it be, or whatever. Here's what I will say, though: on a holiday night, late in the evening, in overtime, even though it was dramatic and fun and an exciting game, finally, um, I I think it would have been a really bad like finish to the NHL season. Not, not not necessarily like for the fans that win it, Tampa Bay fans, or for like hockey fans. Like I tuned in to watch it. I always tune in to watch the skating of the cup because I think it's just a thing that you, if you're a hockey fan, you always tune in for. Mm-hmm. But th- for it to happen like late at night on a on a holiday, you know, on the road in front of four thousand people or whatever, it it just didn't feel right. And I think it's going to be a far better look 
for the NHL. I'm assume they're going to dominate Montreal in Game Five and win on Wednesday night at home in Tampa in front of a packed building. I just think it, it the whole thing will look and feel better and more normal. Maybe that's you can criticize that if you want to, but I think the NHL got a break that Montreal scored that that goal in overtime on 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 Monday night. Well, you're right that that the Canadians have not been able to um, expand their attendance. They tried. Uh, the Quebec government said no, despite the fact there are thousands of people outside of Bell Center you know, gathering to watch the game. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, technically they're outside, I guess. But no, not I guess. They are outside. <laughs> but they, but you know, technically, technically they're outside in theory. Um, but <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, last year the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, won the cup in the bubble. No one was there. Um, their families were not granted an exemption from uh, the government, from either from the Canadian government rather, um, to attend Game Four. Um, so, if they would have won last night, they wouldn't have been able to celebrate with their families. So, I could see why it would be preferable for them to win at home. Even the mayor of Tampa. Uh, said in a, in a media availability a couple within the past couple of days that she was hoping that the uh, lighting would take it easy on the Canadians in Game Four so that they could win <laughs> at home in Game Five, and if the Canadians come back to win the series in seven games, that clip will be played forever. It'll be the biggest political scandal since Watergate. <laughs> Caught on tape, um, but I kid, of course, um, but. I mean, I see what you're saying. Like, it just looks, it just feels. It was, looks it was weird. It was sterile to watch them celebrate yes, without anybody in the stands yeah. last year. And, and not to say that it would be that bad if they were to win it in Montreal, but it would be a, a, a somewhat empty building, opposing fans. Even though you know Canadians fans are, you know, would certainly stick around, and I'm right. sure would give uh, respect we, to the Lightning. But yes, the idea of them—it's it's what you do. It's a, it's what you do to watch the skate cup. It's a, there's a respect, right? When the Predators lost Game Six right. on home ice, right. people stuck around to watch yes. the Penguins skate the cup around. So I guess, and maybe we can do this next week on the show when Tampa's actually the champion because it does feel like a weird back-to-back championship. There ha- we haven't had a sweep in this in in the NHL Stanley Cup final in forever. It's been 1998. Like, it's been like was the yeah, last more one. than more than two decades. So that almost happened. So it's just interesting that the the way Tampa's going to go back to back with a shortened season and then a bubble season and like, like the way, the way it's gone down and who they played. We, it's, maybe it's more for next week when they're actually champions. And I can ask you, do you think Tampa fans are appreciating this? <laughs> I, I don't know. If, I don't know. Like, are they still on a Super Bowl high? I don't know if they're appreciating how good their hockey team has been the last couple of years. Maybe, maybe that's because of the pandemic. Um, we can, we can do a little bit of that next week on the show. My, my last question though, is are you still in on the format? Because we were, you and I were both very much in on changing the format, reseeding the Final Four, and making it sort of a, a different format the way the NHL had to do it this year with divisionals and sort of all that fun stuff. We had some positive things to say about it. Montreal is the 18th best team in the NHL this year, and they are playing like it in the Stanley Cup Final. Are you okay? Do you still feel the same way? I do. Are you okay, Adam? <laughs> yes, I am okay. Was that a smooth, Adam? Are you okay? Was that a smooth Adam? Criminal, are you okay? Was that a smooth criminal reference? Um, it was your. It was your. It was a cover of of Smooth Criminal by the, your one of your rock bands from the nineties. Alien Am Farm. Alien Farm. There you go. There you go. Um, still bangs, by the way. That still, cover still slaps. Um, anyway, I, I like I like the format. We talked about this before. 
I like the idea of reseeding the final four teams. I like the idea of two teams in the same conference playing each other in the Stanley Cup final. It should be about the two best teams that make it the furthest, not just the best from each conference. What happens um, when it's number seven versus number 18? I don't know. What was the Predators versus the Penguins? Probably like number two versus number 16. 16. <laughs> right. You know, I like I, I really liked it. I liked that. Okay. You know, I liked that the you know I like the Vegas Montreal semifinal you know I, I I you know I wish from inter, from an entertainment standpoint that Vegas would have won that series it would have made for a more yeah. uh, exciting Cup final um, but I like it I mean I wish the the league would just continue to do this even with the restructured divisions next year okay we shall see it it's just been very weird the whole thing's been weird the whole season's been weird the Stanley Cup final's been weird it you know Monday night felt weird I'm glad that should they win on game five that it'll feel a little bit more normal uh, on top of that as soon as that game ends you know <laughs> six seven of the eight teams in in the preds division or six of the seven teams are just going to disappear they're not going to be in the division anymore then they're going to add phoenix and then arizona and then it's going to like the whole thing is just weird right now it's still weird to be a hockey fan and i think it'll feel that way until i guess after seattle joins and after the divisions re go back to normal and once we get training camp out that's when it'll start to feel like it, it'll be two years adam of of hockey not feeling normal it's, no it's it's very strange so uh, i'm kind of ready for that to to, to re reestablish itself all right adam vingan pay for good journalism where can people follow you on twitter at adam vingan and also on instagram which i don't really use very much except to creep on the players saying goodbye to Victor Arvidsson and seeing who <laughs> might let something slip in the comment section. And pictures of a pretzel, probably, right? Pictures of pretzel, yeah. soon to be pictures of baby Vingan TBD. Ooh, there you go. Two Here, months two months away. Here's a piece of advice for you. Create right. an Instagram account for the baby uh -huh. that's got like the baby's name on it uh -huh. and where you're going to post all your photos of the baby uh -huh. and keep it private for just family. That's smart. Don't put them on Facebook. Don't put them on Twitter. I don't, don't have Facebook. Don't put them on an open Instagram account. We have I have a Twitter account for my two daughters that is their name. And, and it's I post all the photos of all the kids right there in that account, and everybody that's in the family has access to it. That's a good idea. There you go. I'll take that. There you have it. Um, all right. Other than that, pay for good journalism at The Athletic. You can follow me at Braden Gall. And, of course, Gold Standard is brought to you by Jaspers, the next evolution of the sports bar. And because they continue to evolve and progress, they are now bringing you frozen popsicle cocktails at Jaspers. Jaspers, we don't swim in your toilet, so please don't pee in our pool. That's actually exceptional. I had no idea what it means, but it's exceptional. <laughs> you wanted a tagline. No, there it's it great. is. It's, it's great. I asked for it. You are correct. Great menu, fantastic happy hours, and now frozen drinks in popsicle form with booze in them. That's all you need to know. Go to Jasper's. Thank you guys for listening. For Adam Bingham, my name is Braden Gall. This has been the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network.